Relentless. Relentless. The, the story of Jonah is a story about sin and grace. It's a story about a God whose heart is broken. When Jonah in particular sins and runs and hides from God, he pursues. He knows that's not what life is about. He is relentless in extending God's grace, his grace, to Jonah. Sin is running from God. It's rebelling. It's disobeying. It's living apart from God. And I love this part. It's missing out. We don't hear that message that often. Grace is God chasing after us, offering us life, hunting us down before we destroy us and those around us. This is the gospel. This is the good news. We all have rebelled. We all have sinned. But some of us have understood God's amazing grace. Some of us recognize what the cross is all about and know that Jesus came to die on that cross, to spill his blood, to pay our debt, and to die in our place. That gives us an opportunity to become part of God's family as we put our faith and trust in him. But the hard part is, is that we still live in a world that is so anti-God. And we hear messages every single day that a certain car, a certain relationship, or a certain, and you put it in, will fulfill us. <laughs> when Jesus just said, it's me. I am, I am the life. I am the bread of life. I am the water that will quench everyone's thirst. Last week, we opened up one of the greatest gospel passages of all the scriptures. But, but let me just quickly just review a bit, even though the story is so very, very familiar to each one of us. God gave the prophet a message. And, and let me just stop there for a moment. God gave the prophet. The prophet was one who spoke God's word. A prophet heard from God. A prophet's responsibility was to speak God's word to wherever God sent him. Jonah was this prophet. He wasn't a slacker. He had met with God. He had heard from God. He knew God. He knew the scriptures. And God said this, that God gave the prophet Jonah a message, get up and go to Nineveh. Jonah says, no. I, I, I'm not going to Nineveh. I am going to go as far away from Nineveh as possible. 
He sins. He disobeys. And Jonah boldly runs because he really didn't appreciate God's directive. He didn't like God's message for him. And for a small moment, he just decided, I know more than God. Now we look at that, and it, it kind of rubs us the wrong way, but if we understand sin and grace, that's exactly what happens. Anytime we disobey, anytime we disregard what God's word has for us, even a little bit, we're basically saying, I'm smarter than you, God. I just am. Now, if we were to say that too loudly, we would maybe expect lightning at times. I, I don't know. And, and to fry you but, or to fry me. But we just do it with our actions. We're a little more subtle. But Jonah runs from God's face. He knows he can't get away, but I, I don't want your influence in my life anymore. So he disobeys. He didn't like how God was running the world. And he felt like the assignment was basically suicide. He didn't like the people. He didn't like the Assyrians. He didn't like their race. And he certainly didn't like their religion. Why? Why would I listen to God? Yet God's grace continues to shout. God sends a storm. And we went over that. And that's an odd way to understand God's grace. But this storm literally led to both the sailors and Jonah's salvation, as we're going to hear even today. We hate storms, but God knows exactly when to send them into our lives. So when he does, we have a few choices. We can scurry, we can hide, we can try to weather the storm, we can try to fill our lives with things that might satisfy our souls for a moment or two or a week. Or we can accept God's reign and rule and ask some questions. The first question I encourage each one of you to ask, it's a question I ask every time I'm in the midst of the storm, Lord, is there some sin in my life? Am I not listening to you somewhere? Do I have an attitude that needs to be changed? Do I need to go ask forgiveness? And, and if... The answer there is no, not at this moment. Then I know. I know, well, maybe there's part of my character that needs to grow. I, I know that I need to realign my thinking and grow in my faith. I know that. And so I begin to listen differently. You see, God was at work in Jonah's life. God was addressing sin, as we're going to see, and extending grace. There is so much to learn about sin and grace. So much, I think, is so very, very practical for each one of us here today. As I was sharing with the worship team this morning, sometimes we put Jonah in a category, well, that's really good for those who are really, really, really bad sinners. I'm sensing... I'm getting more and more out of this book for me. And I think as we listen today, God is going to convict and God is going to encourage both of those. So we will leave here with wings.
I believe. Before we go further, though, let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are a God of compassion and mercy. You are slow to get angry and you are filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Your ways are always perfect and your timings are just right. It's a beautiful day today, God. We are so grateful for the weather, but it's a confusing day. Our country seems divided. And there's turmoil literally all around us. We have mixed feelings. Father, if we're honest, we feel helpless and even hopeless. We need your perspective. We pray for our nation. We pray for communities. We pray for those political leaders elected We know, God, that you are still in charge. We pray for the church. For we know, God, that you love the church. We pray for those specifically right in our area. We pray for Northbridge and Fox Lake Community and the chapel. We ask you, dear God, that you would use the saints, the believers there, would they be encouraged today as your word is given out, as they worship before you, and would you send them out as salt and light in every part of our land? Father, we pray for our flock, those right now worshiping here under this roof, and those who are online. We ask you, dear Father, that you would give us wisdom. Give us your wisdom. Help us live well in a world that you created, but that we would remember that we're transients, we're sojourners. God, do a mighty work in us as we prepare to hear from you As we prepare to hear from your inspired word. Lord, we are so blessed to be living at this time. We know you've been faithful all through the years. But we have your word, your inspired word, almost available anytime at any place. And we thank you for it. And yet we also confess because... Sometimes we pick up the book casually. We think for some reason there's suggestions. And the things we don't like, well, we don't do. God, we ask for your grace and your mercy, just as you extended it to Jonah. We pray at this time, Lord, that you would give us freedom from distraction and draw us to yourselves. We just know, God, that there are so many things racing in our minds that we just need a quiet time right now. We need your spirit to be so abundantly active. We need God to hear from you this day. We know that. We pray that you would use the verses in Jonah to convict and to transform We pray for those right now who are running from you, who are disobeying, 
Maybe they're not in the belly of a fish right now, God, but, but they don't like what you're doing and how you're doing it. We pray, Father, for those who are confused, looking to you, but their, weakest, their faith is so weak. We pray for, pray for clarity for them. We pray, Father, for those right now who are apathetic or comfortable. Your word never does that. It's just comfort. It disturbs us. It convicts us. We pray, dear God, that none of us leave this day after hearing from your word, from you personally. We pray, Father, for those who are walking with you. Oh, God, strengthen them. We don't want to be spectators. We want to be surprised today. Would you surprise us, God? Would you reveal something or many things to us? We love you and pray these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Turn with me to Jonah. Jonah chapter 1. We're going to start reading at verse 17. And go all the way through chapter 2, verse 10. If you'd rather, you can follow along on the screen behind me. Jonah chapter 1, starting at verse 17. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Then... Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all of God's mercies. But, but, I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill my vows, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Let's go through these verses. And I think, again, God will encourage your heart as we listen to these life-giving words. Jonah chapter 1, verse 17. 
Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. We left our text right here last week. God arranged a fish, and Jonah was swallowed and lived in a fish for three days. You see, maybe Jonah thought his life was over at this moment. Maybe as soon as the sailors tossed him over the boat. But God wasn't finished with him. It was just step one. The storm was step one. The belly was step two. (laughs) God rules the universe. He rules the waves, he rules the wind, he rules the election, and he rules fish. Jonah may have thought again, he had disqualified himself, and life was maybe over. He had gone one step too far, and God said, I'm done with you. (laughs) But it wasn't true. God was working. You'll hear that over and over and over and over in this book as I teach. God was working. And Jonah had just begun to soften. We saw in chapter 1 he started to realize the trouble. He started to recognize what was going on. But I'm almost sure as soon as he got tossed overboard, he thought that was just done. Now, what we don't understand is that repentance does take time sometimes. Repentance is a process at times, and God knew that he had not gone to repentance as of yet. So imagine God's creativity. God uses a fish. Now, one of the words that caught me was from the prophet Hosea. In Hosea chapter 6, starting at verse 1, God is actually talking to Hosea. And Hosea is a spokesman, another prophet, talking about hard times and repentance. But I thought this was so classic, so I'm going to read it. Hosea 6, starting at verse 1. Come, Hosea said, to a group of people running from God. Let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces. Now he will heal us. He has injured us. Now we will bandage our wounds. In just a short time, he will restore us so that we may, and keep this in mind, live in his presence. We're going to talk a lot about that today. Oh, Hosea writes, that we might know the Lord. Let us press on to know him. He will respond to us as surely as the arrival of dawn or the coming of rains in early spring. Now just a quick side note. But all the way through the scriptures, a three-day period is often used to depict some new or especially spiritual beginning or opportunity. Let me just give you a few of them. On the third day of Israel's encampment at Sinai, when God was going to come and reveal himself and give the law, all right, God descended upon the mountain in visible power on the third day. 
If you read through, especially in 1 Kings, one of the things that seems really clear, King Rehoboam, he was not a good king. But again, he talks about, in chapter 12, about taking three days to make a decision. Hezekiah was assured that he would recover from his illness and worship God on the third day. And of course, it was Christ's resurrection after three days, which brought victory over death and life for all who believe. A new start, an opportunity for them to start and you and me to start over again. God was teaching Jonah some lessons. He was breaking them down for three days in the belly of a fish. Look at chapter 2, verse 1. Then, and, and by the way, we don't know when then happens. I'm sensing then happens uh, into the third day. And, and again, the timing doesn't matter, but eventually Jonah came to his senses and he prayed to the Lord his God. How cool is that? He still knew he was one of God's kids in spite of his behavior. So he prayed, he talked, he shouted out, he cried to the Lord his God from inside the fish. Now, whatever the timetable was, maybe you and I uh, would respond quicker. I mean, instantly, as soon as you hit those juices of the stomach, and you caught the aroma and the darkness, you're up there, hey, God got, got my attention. I'm sensing Jonah was not there, all right? But whatever the timetable was, it was horrific circumstances that forced Jonah to cry out to God. And I did stop there in my study and wonder, God, how long, really, does it take me to respond to you when I'm running? What has to happen, God? Am I getting better at this? Do I realize how much you really do love me? How much it breaks your heart when I don't listen to you? And how much my life is pathetic without you? As I walk longer with God, those times are shorter. But let me put it this way. Bellies put things in perspective. Bellies do refine us. Let me say that. But if we're running from God, bellies encourage repentance. I love that Jonah did cry out to God because I think some of us, including myself, we have a tendency not to talk to God when we're in trouble. There's a little pride there. I I don't really need you, God. I don't need your wisdom, God. I can handle this. And if we look at this, it's kind of funny. God, I can handle this fish. I love the stomach. This is exciting to me, God. I'm tough. I love when he goes deep and when he comes up. And I love when he gets new food. I love this is good, God. No, 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 we don't say that. All right? But God was working, weaning Jonah of his pride and his rebellion. 
Let's read a little further. Uh, Verse 2 to the first part of verse 6. And this is Jonah's prayer. He said, I cried out to the Lord my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, Oh, Lord, you've driven me from your parent, uh, from your presence. Yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates lock shut forever. Jonah said this as he prayed out. There's no doubt that repentance had happened. Because he said, God, you hear me. God can't hear us. God can't hear me if there's sin in my life. It's not clear when, but Jonah had to confess and repent because his relationship was restored at this moment. You say, Rick, well, that doesn't really count. Like when you're in the belly of a fish, I, I think, you know, every one of us would. It does count. It just does. Because maybe that's what it took for Jonah to realize who God was. Now, God is holy, and Jonah was sinful, so Jonah had to confess. In Proverbs 15, 29, Solomon writes this. The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. So somewhere in the belly of that fish, there was confession. God, now, if you've been in these parts for very long, you've heard me share the illustration of the two circles. And we won't go in a lot of detail here, but this is an illustration I use over and over and over again just to help us understand God's grace and how he works. You see, once we come to faith, you're in that top blue circle. You can never get off. You're always a son or you're a daughter of God. But it's the green circle, the walk circle, the walking in the spirit, the fellowship circle. And you and I stay in that circle as long as, well, we're clean. We have confessed all of our sin that we know about. But as soon as we sin, we get out of that circle and we get into that disobedience black circle. And there, well, we're not connected with God. God is still our Father. But we're living life apart from God. And the only way we get back into that circle is by confession. It's sweet. You know, in the worst of times, God sees our repentance and graciously hears our cries. Even in times, the, well, when the trouble or the storm is our doing. Remember, Jonah was in the belly because of his rebellion, his sin. It was his own pride, thinking he knew more than God. It was his hatred of a different race and a different religion. And literally, it was his lack of faith in God because he didn't like God's directive. But there was repentance and restoration would be its fruit. 
Listen, as God or as Jonah describes his trouble, and he calls it trouble, but really I want to keep saying this was God's grace to Jonah. He knew the pathway he was going would just bring destruction. So God says, I'm going to do everything I can. And in this case, it's going to involve a fish in his stomach. Ah. Now, inside the great fish, and, and i got to be honest, I, have, I tried to find a clip somewhere that would help us understand what the inside of a fish might feel like. And, and I just found nothing. Because realistically, remember this, inside a fish, it was dark. So even three days of darkness, that, that's a little scary, okay? Secondly, all right, secondly, just imagine, it was hot. So if you guys don't like hot and you like fresh air, this would be bad. Tight! I don't care how big that fish was, I'm pretty sure he wasn't walking around. If you're at all claustrophobic, the overwhelming, nauseous smell. Oh, I mean, some of you walk into a kitchen and, you know, let's just say sardines. Your husband loves them. Well, what do you do with sardines, man? They smell the whole house up. Can you imagine how many sardines are in this gut? Yeah, okay, we get it. And the burning of stomach acids must be horrific. Can you think of anything grosser? I mean, just really. And not for 10 minutes, and not for an hour, but for three days, and literally not even knowing if he would ever get out. How do you tell time? You didn't have a watch, you didn't have your smartphone, you didn't have anything. Total darkness with seaweed around your head. And Jonah writes this, it was a great trouble. Are you serious? Yes, it was a great trouble. If like the land of the dead, the ocean depths, the heart of the sea, if any of you have even went diving, how many times do you have to, well, equalize your ears? I don't know how fast this fish swam, but I'm telling you, I mean, you're popping your ears, popping your ears, popping your ears. You're miserable. This is not fun. Waters engulf me. Buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. You know what? Jonah's starting to get a clear perspective of God's power and authority. He says this, and this was a little scary line. You drove me from your presence. And it sounds like God was some, some horrific God. But Jonah knew that God was holy. And Jonah also knew that he was not. He had sin in his life. So he basically said this, you know what, I can't be in your presence. I knew that. Uh, you drove me away because I had sin in my life. Now, let me just say this. One of the scariest things that King David wrote to God himself, and he begged this, and we find this in his confession in Psalm 51. But he said this, all right? Now, remember, before David wrote this, he had walked with God. Before David wrote this, he knew God's presence. This was so cool. He loved God. But he sinned. 
He committed adultery and he committed murder. (laughs) And God was not pleased. And he was separated from God. When he finally came to his senses, he repented. And one of the Psalms, along with Psalm 32 and Psalm 51, we get a recording of this. But listen to what he says in Psalm 51, verse 11. Lord, don't banish me from your presence. I've been away from your presence too long. I had tasted that before. I can't go on without living with you. And then he says this, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Please, don't take your spirit. Now again, the way I would look at this is that this is a perfect description of a person running from God. May not literally in that, but but maybe this ought to scare each one of us a little bit. When we get to a place, even if it's a small thing, a small attitude, a lack of forgiveness, whatever it is, Do you realize that this is our destination? Uh, In other words, we're going to feel like we sank beneath the waves. The water closed over us. There's trauma and suffocation and terror. Seaweed wrapped around your head. You feel imprisoned, hopeless, with a very bleak future. Yet Jonah has hope. He says this in the text, I will look soon, I will look in the future. Once more toward your holy temple. He had restored his relationship. And whether it was because he was going to die, because I sort of think that's what he was thinking. I don't think he had the whole idea of like, this guy's going to vomit me out soon. But let me just share this. If you're in the belly, there is always hope. There just is. How gracious is God? Then look at verse 6. The last part of verse 6 and going to 8. But you, O Lord, snatched me from the jaws of death, and my life was slipping away. I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all of God's mercies. You see, God's heart more than anything, is to have relationship. But God responds and snatches Jonah from the jaws of death. And Jonah says this, Then I remembered you, Lord. I remembered you. And my earnest prayer went out to you. My holy God in your holy temple. And he makes that statement. You know, only those who, well, worship false gods... They, they turn their backs on God's mercy. God desires deeply. God extends his mercy to all, and we have a choice. Now, some of you may just think that Jonah just wrote this, of course, not while he was in the stomach, afterwards. And, and these are just his thoughts of him wallowing around. I want to remind you, I don't think so. That may fit. But I think Jonah understood the scriptures. He was a prophet. And he understood the Psalms so very, very much. And I think, in fact, I'm going to have some of the Psalms read to you. Parts of Psalm 42 and parts, 
or all of Psalm 130 right now and listen to what the psalmist said in light of what Jonah just prayed. Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you, even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mizar. I hear the tumult of the raging seas as your waves and surging tides sweep over me. But each day the Lord pours His unfailing love upon me, and through each night I sing His songs, praying to God who gives me life. From the depths of despair, O Lord, I call for your help. Hear my cry, O Lord, pay attention to my prayer. Lord, if you kept a record of our sins, who, O Lord, could ever survive? But you offer forgiveness, that we might learn to fear you. I am counting on the Lord. Yes, I am counting on him. I have put my hope in his word. I long for the Lord more than centuries long for the dawn. Yes, more than centuries long for the dawn. O Israel, hope in the Lord. For with the Lord there is unfailing love. His redemption overflows. He himself will redeem Israel from every kind of sin. Then Jonah writes one of the greatest verses of all of the Bible. This has become more and more a favorite verse of mine. Some, most commentators will say this is what we are to learn. Jonah chapter 2 verse 9. Let me read it. But, if you underline, circle your Bibles, this is an awesome but, all right? But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill my vows. And here it is, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Jonah says, I'm different than the folks who worship false, impotent gods. I, God, just so you hear me, will offer sacrifices. Now remember, as soon as you hear that word, it's hard for us to understand. But basically in the Old Testament sacrificial system, almost every sacrifice would jump into two categories. Two categories, all right? One would be sacrifice for sin committed, or the other would be sacrifices of praise or thanksgiving. And so what Jonah is saying is that, hey, I'm I'm listening to you now, God. I understand this. I will offer sacrifices. It's a promise of, you know, God, when I sin next time, I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to restore the relationship. I'm not, it's not going to take me to run away or get into a belly of a fish again. And understandably, understandably, And then he says this, I will sing songs of thanksgiving and praise. I will thank you for your grace. I am pretty sure he's not that excited about the belly. But he is starting to see it. Do you you understand this? And then he says, I will fulfill my vows. What you're saying, what, what is that talking about? But let me just again remind you that this means I'm going to be your prophet again. And you may ask, well, what does that mean? Well, remember, 
This is the job of a prophet. I'll give it to you very clearly and short. A prophet is to listen to God. A prophet is to speak God's word to the people that God chooses. All right? Now here's an interesting word to the prophet Ezekiel to help us put this in perspective. Ezekiel chapter 3, verses 10 and 11. God is talking to the prophet Ezekiel. He says this, Son of man, Ezekiel, let all my words sink deep into your own heart first, Ezekiel. Listen to them carefully for yourself, Ezekiel. Then go to your people in exile. And say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Do this whether they listen to you or not. This was a prophet's vow. God, you come and talk to me. God, you point me in the right direction, and I will tell people your life-giving words. Well, if it was Jeremiah, you would read over and over again, Jeremiah, I want you to do this, but I also want you to know no one will ever listen to you. If anyone should have resigned his commission, it would have been Jeremiah. (laughs) He said, wait a minute, God, what you're saying? You talk to me, I talk to them, and nobody listens. Yeah. Now, you know what's kind of hard? Is that We have God's directives right here. Right here. And sometimes we don't take time to open it. Or sometimes we don't take time to listen to it. And so we get really harsh at some of these, well, Old Testament stories when the prophet comes and confronts them and most of them say, you know what, I don't really care. I'm going to live my own life any way I want to live. When we have God's whole revelation right here. Jonah says this, for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Now Jonah knew this, but now Jonah knows it. I think all of us must come to a place in our journey believing salvation only comes from the Lord. Now let me again remind you, if some of you are a little newer to faith, this might not catch on right away, but we love to walk with you through this. But there are three aspects of salvation. Three aspects, three parts that God wants us to understand. And that salvation, that life, abundant life, comes because of our relationship with God. Most of us focus on justification part. That means that we are free from the penalty of sin. That's what happens that Jesus died on the cross so that we don't have to die, and he paid our debt. But more than that, and I'm not saying more exciting because that's unbelievable, but God says this, is that I am sanctifying you. I am making you more and more holy. I am making you more and more Christ-like. As you listen to me, I chip away all the things in your life that don't reflect Jesus well. So your freedom from the power of sin. 
Remember, the wages of sin is death. It's always death. It's misery. It's the belly of the fish. And God says this, hey, I want you to experience life. I don't want you to experience the belly. I want you to experience life. And lastly, third part of salvation, which is so robust, is glorification. When you eventually shut your eyes on this planet and you are transported into God's presence if you're part of God's family forever and ever and ever and you're free from the presence of sin, never, ever, ever again to have the pain and the misery of sin. So when Jonah writes, my salvation comes from the Lord alone, he's excited. Now again, that's pretty basic. Say, Rick, can't we talk about something a little deeper? But what I want to remind you is this. This last week, I was reading in 2 Peter. And most of you recognize the name Peter. He's one of the apostles. He's, he is the fisherman, the loud, the, the, the one that seemed to stick his foot in his mouth the most. But over this week, I read this text. And it was really cool because Peter, in his second letter, is saying over and over again the importance of God's word. I want you to get into God's Word. I want you to listen to God's Word. It is so very, very important. In fact, there's going to be some teachers come that won't teach God's Word. I want you to understand God's Word so that you can push those teachers just out. But here's what he writes. And this was so cool. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. Peter writes this, Therefore... I will always remind you about these things. What he's talking about these things is God's word, the basics, the basic doctrines, understanding all that God has for us, our position in Jesus, all these things. But Peter writes this, therefore I will always remind you about the basics. And here's the statement. Even though you already know them and are standing firm in them, Peter's talking to a group of believers and saying, hey, I'm just going to keep reminding you about the basics, and just so happens I know right now you know them, and I even know that you're listening. So if we know that, most teachers would say, hey, I don't need to do it anymore. But this is what Peter writes. And he says, and it's only right that I should keep reminding you as long as I live. For our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me that I must soon leave this earthly life. So... I will work hard to make sure you always remember these things, these scriptures, these basics, how robust salvation is after I'm gone. I use this text with at least three dads this week saying, you know what? I know the life stage you're in. I understand that sometimes it's difficult But you get an opportunity to be able to tell your kids the basics all the time. They're going to look at you and say, Duh, Dad, I know that. And you're going to say, I know you know it. And I know you're even listening right now. But you know, someday your dad's not going to be around. And when he's not around, what I want you to know is understand how big and wonderful and terrific our God is. And salvation is. Oh, I don't want you to ever forget it. 
Wow. So this statement, my salvation, comes from the gracious God alone. Alone. God, I am so grateful. You're the only one that gives me salvation. You're the only one. God, thank you, thank you. May salvation overwhelm you because of God's grace. Then in verse 10, you thought I'd never get here. Verse 10. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out on the beach. Now, just so you know, this verse actually resumes from the narrative in chapter 1, verse 17. From chapter 2, verse 1, all the way to chapter or to verse 9 is a prayer. So Jonah is in a fish for three days. And then we jump right to here. Eventually, he gets spit out. Now, Jonah made progress. Jonah confessed. God gave the fish his orders. And let me say this. Grace means he was spit out on the beach. What a wonderful time in Jonah's life. Now, yes, we're going to understand some struggles later on, but, but this is amazing. Can you, again... Out of the prison of darkness, the stench, the gross, he's now on a beach. Is that God's grace? What a picture. Now, the lessons he learned will be applied in chapter 3 and probably forgotten in chapter 4. But next week, we'll continue this amazing story. One takeaway. One takeaway I just want you to, to just focus on. In Jonah, God is seen to be holy and just and loving and merciful to those inside and outside the walls. Those who are part of God's family which are many of you. And those who are outside these walls, God is gracious. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you that salvation comes from you alone. Salvation that saves us from the penalty salvation that rescues us from the domination of sin in our life and the salvation eventually when there will be no more sin and no more pain and no more rebellion for eternity for a, a, a year 10,000 years 10 billion years we will live with you God use this text in our life would we remember how much you love us and how much our sin breaks your heart. We love you, Lord. In your name, amen. Let's stand and respond together. Yes, I will.
Operation Christmas Child. We're actually almost out of boxes. It's so amazing. But there's a few left, and you don't need our official boxes, just so you know, if you want to still participate. But by next Sunday, we need them back. And I know we always get calls. I'm, I'm just letting you know, like, oh, Rick, I forgot. I go, oh, man. What am I supposed to do? Like, drive this over to Honduras? Folks, you got to help us out. Bring them next week, all right? And help us bless kids 
all over this world. Another one last short clip. Let's watch. Had a lot of people tell me I'm lucky, but I tell them I'm chosen. My name is Karabo Moretlani. I was born in Lesotho, Southern Africa, and was raised in the villages. When I was about five years old, I lost my father. And not long after my father's death, my mother left me at my grandmother's house, and I never saw her for years. So my grandmother became a mother. She told me a lot of things, including how to read and write. But most importantly, she told me about God. Loneliness in my life began when I lost my grandma, the woman who raised me. I had to say goodbye to my love, to my grandmother. Then a year after my grandma's passing, my mother also passed away. I was faced with the sad reality of being an orphan, which is something that I dreaded the most. I had a home and a house in the villages, but I had no parents. I was alone. My uncle brought me into his home in the city. It was there in the city that I, I met a friend, actually, who invited me to a church. There was a truck filled with these shoeboxes. I received a shoebox myself, and I remember that shoebox filled one of the holes in my heart, and that was the hope of having something that belonged to me. I had lost everything, so the gift of the box gave me that hope this belongs to me, and it really filled my heart. I realized God gave me what I was always in need of. I made a choice to personally seek Him. Today, I have a family, and I'm no longer an orphan. I know I'm chosen. Someone took their time to work hard and to pack my shoebox and God used them to give me hope and to feel what my heart was in need of. So today, if you hear the voice of God, do not harden your heart. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So I'm asking you to go prepare a gift today, take a shoebox, give someone hope and love somebody today, and spread the gospel. You know, so many of us have been blessed. I know that. And so many of us want to care well for those in our families. But sometimes we even give presents away and we, we know it's, you know, if they get excited for an hour, we're, we're excited, you know. This is a chance for all of us to make an impact. I know in some ways it's a little costly and maybe you can't even do that. I get it. But if you're able, how oh, would you partner with us? Would you allow us as Crosspoint Church to, to send boxes all over the world to kids with the hope of either encouraging them or introducing them to Jesus? How cool is that? Just this little box. I hope you join us and do that. Lastly, I... I do know that this week's been hard. We're looking at the, the news. We're trying to figure out COVID elections. 
We're going to meet this Tuesday corporately for prayer. Our church gathers every second Tuesday from 7 to 8. I hope you can join us. I hope you'll be able to come and and together we will lift our voices to God and pray for each other and our world. How cool is that? I'm so glad you came today. I'm so glad again you're joining us in this study. I'm so glad that we're able to look at God's word maybe differently. So available to us, something that certainly wasn't available in the 1500s. We're blessed. God has a plan. God is in control. And thanks so much for coming. May God encourage you to be salt and light this week. We we are so grateful you came. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon.